The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. We're here for another week of great rugby chat thanks to the Raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate and your home of the biggest and best rugby discussion kicking around. Thanks to everyone who got involved in last week's discussion and even for a few suggestions around other uh, positions too. We obviously went deep on the fullbacks, but we uh, we, we will certainly uh, tackle other positions for the Wallabies as the test season nears. And remember, if there's a question or an issue or anything that you want us to tackle, just leave us a comment under the new episode page every Wednesday on the Raw or hit us up on the socials or wherever you get your podcasts or wherever you can find us. Joining me once again, fresh from blowing a surprisingly large remainder of the Royal Rugby Podcast travel budget in California this week after his recent European jaunt. It's everyone's favourite South African Texan, Harry Jones. How's it, mate? How are you doing? How's it, Brett? Good day. Who said, who found it? Uh, it's very good to be. I'm intoxicated to see you. I'm literally intoxicated. Isn't it to too early you. in the morning for you to be into- intoxicated? <laughs> never, never too early. But, Brett, I went around the world it's true, looking for rugby revelations. Mm. And I have, I have one, and it actually is closer to home. It's from New Zealand. I was studying the logo of the Highlanders, and there's a guy, he's a logo man, yeah. and, and his arms are raised, and he has no armpit hair at all. <laughs> I, I'm just bringing that to your attention. I use spreadsheet everything. I want you now to do a spreadsheet <laughs> of bodily hair on logos. What else do you spreadsheet? Everything. Your, uh, Golf ball speed, whether you breathe no. in or out on your backswing, your spiritual life, what? I, I do spreadsheet a lot of things, but none of those things that you've just mentioned. Uh, fortunately, there is plenty to talk about. Uh, it's been another big week of Super Rugby Pacific, the final weekend of the Six Nations as well. But first, mate, we've got to welcome another great guest. The Raw Rugby Podcast. This coming Saturday, March 26, is a day for people to come together and share everything they love about the great game of rugby, and it's known simply as a day in union. The chair of the organising committee behind the movement is Greg Mum, and he's been good enough to join us for a chat on the Raw Rugby podcast. Greg, g'day. How are you going? Yeah, good, guys. Thanks very much for having me. Oh, no. It's, How's it's it, a, Greg? It was easy. It was an easy decision to have you. Oh, good. Good, good. That's not always the case. So <laughs> I feel like I'm in good company. Well, look, let's get straight into it. What is a day in union? Tell us all about it. Yeah, so quite simply, it's a day where we try and get the whole of rugby together to celebrate rugby um, on the same day. And it uh, it came about really, um, you know, I've been involved in rugby more recently in a fundraising um, capacity through the New South Wales Positive Rugby Foundation. So talking to a lot of people around, you know, what was good about rugby, what was maybe not so good about rugby. And uh, a few people that I met in those circles really just said, well, with all the negativity around the game, why don't we just get everyone to talk about what's great about the game on the same day? And that was it. Perfect. That's a yeah. bloody great idea. So, so, how, so that's how it came about. It was, it was that simple. That simple. So there's a few people involved. Um, the committee that have, you know, one is John Anderson, who's head of the rugby club in Victoria that they set up, and he's been involved with the Rebels before. Another one was Peter Murphy, who was previously at Australian Rugby Foundation and now took over from me at New South Wales Positive Rugby. And we were just talking around, you know, there's Wallabies and Super Rugby and Sevens and Fifteens and November Tours and Club Rugby and 
the force over there as well now and you know New Zealand and not New Zealand and and there's so many things in rugby that it's so easy for people to talk about the differences yet the when you get down to the core of it and ask everyone what they love about rugby usually it's the camaraderie it's the inclusiveness it's not the separations or the mm. the disunity it's the fact that rugby tends to bring people together wherever they are around the world and for whatever reason um in australia we seem to have forgot that for a while i think we're on the right track again now but um we don't have an nrl grand final day or an afl day where the whole game focuses on that day to celebrate the game um so we thought well why don't we make one yeah right and so i guess the joy of something like this is that you can just make a day so why why march 26 why, why this particular weekend uh, nothing, you know, very uh, significant or symbolic. We did look at days like the uh, first Rugby World Cup final and we looked at, you know, the first day we won it and then, um, you know, nothing really matched up to the, to the calendar. Most of that was at the end of the Australian calendar, whereas part of the, when we first got the idea together was when COVID was happening, we were worried about, how is rugby going to get through this and get people back together? And what role could rugby play in bringing people back together after COVID? And so we went with March 26 simply because it was towards the end of term one school-wise in you know, most places in uh, Australia. And it was at the beginning of most competitions across mm. Australia. Um, and so that was, that was about it. It was just really how can we pick a date that is going to probably be there and thereabouts when everyone is starting to get excited about rugby. Yeah, right. Righto. Well, then let's get into this, Harry. What? Let's let's put ourselves to the test here. What is it about the great game of rugby that that you love? Yeah, this is not very uh, a very Australian remembrance, but for me, what I love about rugby as a boy and and as a man is different things, and so I think. In some ways, different shapes, different sizes. Also, rugby's different at different stages of your life. I know Greg's written about this, and he's helping athletes uh, cope with uh, post-rugby. You know, when you're not so special, when your day is not so structured, when you're measured different ways, and you work with different people in different ways, which I think is brilliant. But for me, as a boy, the rugby pitch was the most beautiful place in the school. It was that simple. It was the, the most applause, the most attention. I love attention. Uh, and uh, I was a profound stutterer. And for me, um, with a lot of allergies, so my nose was running the whole time. So for me at rugby, I was running, so my nose wasn't. Uh, my stutter didn't matter. And it only mattered because I became captain at every single stage. And, my, and coaches in South Africa that in those days made you pray. So I had to learn to pray in front of guys uh, and, and my coach was really loving and, and sweet. He said, stop sounding stupid, eh? Pray in front of the guys. And so uh, this is South African speech therapy, stop sounding stupid. But, um, you know, I think rugby was one of those things where it was almost a miracle, you know, where uh, you could run on the pitch, the people were there, the parents, Saturday morning. As a teenager, I liked the fact that you could smash guys and it was legal, you know. Uh, you know it was, it, you were beloved for the same things that you were getting cuts with bamboo for in school or sent to boarding school. On the pitch, you could get all your, uh, your good rage out. You could get school colors, provincial blazer, meet politicians for the same thing that they would actually uh, yell at you. But over time, captaincy taught me 
um, to love, to hold space for other people, to understand a wide variety of, of humans. In South Africa, in Western province at least, we were ahead of society on mixing uh, across color. We played everyone. Um, our school was, was known for breaking the rules. So we, we played and we, we shared cloakrooms before society did in South Africa. Rugby was far ahead. And I know it was also the fulcrum of sanctions, but I'm telling you, rugby was more inclusive. Um, I loved being captain. I love that rugby was a relatively undercoached sport, if that makes sense, back then. Uh, decisions made on the field, even at Oranges. Your coach is far away. He's fuming on the sidelines, but you know, you're, you're safe until you end the match. Um, <laughs> I love rugby as a has a flow and a shape that differs. So you know the teams are different, and and it's okay. We we all wind up as props, as I wrote recently. So your even your shape changes. <laughs> um, and then as an old I guy, even got there. I love, <laughs> yeah. Like, but Greg, you do have the beard for a prop, so you know. Yeah, like you get true. In, you get inside the scrum. It's like Velcro, you know. But um, I love grappling with rugby, wrestling, and now I write about it because to me, the evolution of everything, set piece, uh, it's, all, it's all lovely. And, and now I see it as a bond, a sacred bond, even with you, Brett, Laidlaw, Mackay. Uh, <laughs> you meet an old rugby guy and immediately you size him up and yeah. say, uh, uh, six, wing, you know, and yeah. it's like you're dog, dog sniffing. So, you know, I, that, that's my stuff. And Greg, I'd love to hear... Um, for yours as well. I, I read a lot of interviews with you, but I haven't actually heard from you. I know you, the injury took it away from you at an early age, but what, what do you love about the game and, and why did this was a passion for you? Yeah, I think like, like you said, it kind of changes through age, but when I was playing and even I think when I was coaching as well, it was about the mates. Like I think I coached for a long time to still be part of that group, to belong to something. Um, and, you know, my wedding, I had uh, five people in my groom's party, all of which I played rugby with. Um, and the guys that still check in on me now to see, you know, everything, how everything's going or the first to ring you when you have your children are the guys I played rugby with. Mm. Um, and also, you know, a couple of times when I did get ruled out of footy and went through a little bit of a dark time, you know, trying to work out what it was I did after sport, you know, quite often it was rugby that, kind of kept you on the straight and narrow. Like you had the Tuesday and Thursday to turn up and, and rugby asked you to be the best version of yourself when you're there, whether it's a player, a coach, a fan, a parent. You know, the game elevates people through the values of the game to be the best version of themselves. And I think that's been important not only in my life, but I think in the people that I've experience through rugby hopefully it will have the same role in my kids life and you know that's part of the reason I got involved with the foundation a few years ago and then this again is I want rugby to be around in Australia for my kids the way it was for me and um yeah I just think and, and then that's the shared value because Andrew Hoare used to say you know you can put your, your boots in your bag and go anywhere in the world and, um, you know, go and find a rugby club and find a family because you have that shared value, shared language that you can kind of, um, it's a passport. Like it's a passport to travel. It's a passport to friendships. It's a passport to good times usually. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to love. Yeah, that's that's the best part of it. I mean, everything, everything that you guys are saying about 
about playing and, and growing up with the game, I can absolutely apply it to cricket. And my my rugby growing up is very much a case of those who can do and those who can't end up writing about it, which is how I got into it. But that's what sort of got me hooked. And ultimately writing about it led to a complete career change and here we are. Um, but what I do love about it is that it doesn't matter where you are or what level you're watching or, or, or coaching or playing or whatever it is, it is that shared language. It is that that shared value and all that. And it doesn't matter that whether you're watching a second grade game or you're at the middle of the Olympic Stadium after a Bledisloe test, it's, it is that shared language. And it is that everyone is there for the same reason. And, you know, and it's the little things about, I love the, I love a good rugby jersey and I love a good team name. Like I love the, the, the Picolban Reds up in the, in the Hunter Valley and the Bungadore Mudchooks here east of Canberra and, uh, you know, great club names like that. Um, you know, good stripes on jerseys, Harry, you know, proper jerseys with proper collars and, you know, that you can grab onto shorts with pockets and all that sort of stuff. It's, that's what we love about the game. And that's what I think, that we, I think we all cling to that, even though what we're watching athletes that have never been better and from a skill set that's never been better in the game. I think ultimately we're still thinking about those beautiful striped jerseys that used to hang off you when we're three kilos heavier in the mud and all of that. You know, it's just, it's the, it's it the done, shit. This, this weekend we're taking, I'm coaching Barrel down here. We're taking them down to the Burua Rugby and Beer Festival where there's <laughs> 10 male teams, six women's teams, no finals and a German themed party at the pub afterwards. Like it just kind of sum, sums up why you get involved in rugby. So, I, I do. You do kind of wonder there, Greg, whether the beer component or the rugby component got in, got it got worked out first. True, true. <laughs> well, that's, there's there's uh, from my understanding of the initial growth of rugby in the states, and you can correct me on this. That was what drew a lot of college kids to it. Was you know it was the beer first, and the fact that everyone could play. Mm. And everyone was welcome, and then the game kind of grew out of that. It's still the case now, oh, isn't it? Harry? For sure, actually, it was it was an Ivy League sport, so it was actually you know Theodore Roosevelt played it. It was um, elitist, but yes, very much beer league uh, party <laughs> and an opportunity to travel, you know, from West Coast to East Coast. Yeah. But uh, now, you know, because of expatriates, because of uh, the diaspora of Pacific Islanders, because of really so many Aussies, Kiwis, Sappers, uh, Irish, and so on, the standard is really raised. And what they did right in MLR is they put it on TV immediately. So mm. it, it just, it's just people scrolling through on a Saturday, find something different. It's like Australia, there's so many sports, you know, why not hook mm. someone? And the elite athlete now is drawn instead of the beer drinker. So you have you have a mix. It's still very yeah. much a party sport. Yeah, there's there's still there's still room for beer, I'm sure. Greg, how do how do people get involved in uh, in a day of, in a day of union this weekend? Yeah, well, for, for a lot of the reasons we've just mentioned, we want to make it accessible to everyone. So whether you played or didn't play, whether you're a fan or you know, and that's it, or whether you're still involved at a club or whatever level. Um, so we've kind of just kept it very simple. You know, it's a social campaign. All we want you to do is share stories about why you love the game. So if you're involved with a club or a team at the moment, then one way that we're encouraging people to get involved is just take a photo of your team or potentially your community or the two teams that are playing 
in a huddle around the rugby ball because for us on the committee, that was a lot of our memory of binding together in rugby was that kind of circle around a ball or holding a ball up above a circular people, you know, before a game or training. So that's the simple way to post that image online and tag it with a day in union, hashtag a day in union. Otherwise, just share someone else's content to share the content that we're creating um, or that other clubs are creating. Uh, and finally, if you, you um, if that doesn't float your boat, just share a memory or a story of a meaningful moment in your life in rugby and, you know, tag the mates that you haven't seen yeah. for 20 years that you wore your old cotton jerseys with or, <laughs> you know, the, the, the guys that you wish you could have a beer with um, but are halfway across the world and, and you've got no one to tell your old rugby stories with. So they're the sorts of things we want. We just want it to be easy, positive and um, a show of unity across the whole game. Yeah. So it's all across the social channels um, and there's a website too, isn't there? Yep. So uh, www.adayinunion.com and then we're on Twitter, uh, Instagram and Facebook as well. So Yeah, fantastic. No, it's, a, it's a great movement. I really hope it gets, goes well this weekend. And and yeah, just it's just about sharing stories like we've done and it's been great. I've, like, I've really, really enjoyed this last little little chat. It's been, it's been fantastic. But we've got, some, uh, we've got some proper rugby to talk about. Rugby on the Raw. So final weekend of the Six Nations and it is a French Grand Slam, Harry. It all went particularly well for the French. They rounded out the Six Nations in style, uh, beating England quite quite well there in, in Paris and, and Italy. And their, and their losing streak of, what, seven years, 30-odd games? They said it couldn't be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a longer uh, losing streak than the Swans and someone else I, I researched in Australia. It's amazing, actually, 36 <laughs> games. Are you talking the early days of the Sydney Swans? You would be, wouldn't you? Yes, I did, I did deep research. Hey, <laughs> Brett, I, I, see that, I see that Greg Mum has you all fired up. You have an actual rugby ball. And yeah, you're like this is scoring tries as we're talking. <laughs> this is uh, genuine, genuine Brisbane 10s. Good what this is. Um, and that's nice. partly because I've listened over the last six episodes and I keep realizing that I tapped the desk for emphasis. So I'm trying to get that out of the microphone. So I'm taking that out of the football. <laughs> you're, you're scoring every five minutes. It's like Aaron Smith. Uh, so yeah, in my team of the six nations tournament, I picked a lot of French and Irish because the mm. French and Irish were a cut above. I think someone said there's two, a tier, two tiers in the tournament. Uh, Ireland scored 24 tries, France 17, no one else scored any tries. Um, the Irish played a very different style, though, and it was interesting. You know, just looking at the stats, they they ran, uh, I think, 4,500 meters compared to 3,000 for the French, uh, 700 carries to 500. Um, the French were kicking 1,000 meters a, a match. This is not talked wow. about, but they played proper old-school rugby. Yeah. Very much territory, never playing in their off, never feeding off turnovers. I think France had... Uh, 33 turnovers that they uh, exploited, whereas Ireland only had 19. And that's the difference. And that's the lovely thing, right? In this yeah. tournament, the two, two clear top teams played diametrically opposed, uh, but they were a cut above. Well, one stat they shared, no cards. Those uh, two, neither team had a card, and every other team had very unfortunately timed cards. Yeah. That's a massive disparity in those numbers. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Like 4,500 yeah, so, 4, meters for Ireland to, what was it, 3,000 something for the next? 3,000, yeah. And, and the French refused to build phases uh, in, mid, in mid 
yeah, uh, right. mid pitch. They they just waited for you to mess up, and they had these smash yeah. tackles, dominant tackles. I think they had the most dominant tackles by 100% over everyone else. So they just feed off, you know, Aldrit, Valimsa coming for you, smashing you, and then uh, Fiku and the other guys would would finish it off. So very different. Whereas Ireland was relentless to building phases, and it all came down to one match: Ireland France in Paris. Mm. If they played it in Dublin, maybe Ireland wins the six uh, six yeah. nations. And if Sexton's there, maybe. So the whole thing was really that one match. I think in the, their match, Ireland scored more tries, but uh, France, you know, took the penalties and created uh, one more chance. So really the tournament bo- boiled down to that. And I think it was actually quite exciting. However, it must have been very disappointing for England, Scotland, Wales, who, you know, just squeaked mm. out two, two wins. So Yeah, although, Greg, any time England is struggling is a good time, isn't it? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to have too much but, sympathy, isn't it? Well, especially when they're touring, and the last time they toured, it was a very <laughs> embarrassing tour for us. So yeah. I don't, I'm not really going to lo- really lose any sleep about it, um, and I don't think it's going to get a hell of a lot better for them because they seem to be in that um, post-change eddy phase where yeah. everything seems to be a law of diminishing returns. So. Um, it's going to be hard for them to get better, I think, between here and next year with the same coach. We're certainly counting on it for July, at the very least. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that will World, be fast. World, you know, World Cups can yeah. bring a team together, but um, I, I don't think they're going to be a hell of a lot better in July. Yeah, let's let's hope that's the case. The lo- Locally, the Brumbies-Reds was everything we were hoping for in terms of Super Rugby Pacific last weekend. It was... Uh, it was I get the train of thought that it was one for the purists. It was it was really intense. It was really physical. Some of the hits at ground level, you know, sitting a few meters away, were they were enormous. It was easily the most physical Australian game we've seen this year. It was, I mean, I loved every minute of it. I don't know how you guys saw it. I mean, Paisami was was a, oh, was a bomb. The guy was just exploding into contact. Oh, he exploded yeah. into Noel Olesio at one point. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I suppose it's, it's a. Go ahead. I was just going to say it, it's it's hard, easy to forget from an outside in how much physicality is in a game yeah. like that, and I thought considering all that's gone under the bridge between those two teams, they still actually yeah. played relatively expansive rugby. Like they were still prepared to chance their hand, and you yeah. have to because when when it's that physical, you're not necessarily going to be able to win a game through teams. You're going to have mm. to try to find a chink in the armour somewhere. So that's what has made those games so exciting for the last four or five games between the two teams. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's, and more, it's more than that now, Harry. Like, it was, like I said last week, the last seven matches have been decided by 36 points. It's 40 over eight matches now. So it's it's one try a game. Between yeah, this this was this was a blow this was a blowout. It was four point win. Yeah. Blowout, huge. <laughs> but uh, the other thing that was interesting was it it shaped up just like the other one, right? The grand final. Yeah. I think it was the same score, uh, 12-16, uh, the Reds coming. Um, JOC had scored in a similar way as he had yes, to win. Indeed. But this time the hero, the smash guy, Pasami, I think, dropped the ball, so it was done. But I mean, the gripping nature of repeating, this is a nice rivalry, um, you know. And another thing I, I would say is, um, well, JOC has always been my, my favorite Wallaby in this, in this era. 
and um and 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 i think it was really interesting to see him try to figure it out but i don't know i i think the the brumbies have something this year i think they have a they have a knack of finding a strange Mm. ugly way to win if they have to yeah and it'll be fascinating to see the return leg which is only two weeks away uh, by by a matter of scheduling um the scheduling well, madness or brilliance, I'll, I'll, we can work that out in, in a few weeks' time. The the force hung on just to beat the uh, to beat the Fijian in Drua. Uh, the Waratahs beat the Rebels pretty well. I think twenty four nineteen was probably a little bit flattering towards the Rebels. Um, and then, of course, the uh, the Chiefs beat Moana Pacifica pretty comfortably um, in Auckland on Saturday afternoon. This weekend is going to be an interesting one. I think the big question is how many New Zealand games we'll get, and maybe we get onto that a little bit later. But this weekend we get Reds Waratahs. Um, Greg, it's the it's the old derby. It's the game that has shaped rugby in this country for as long as it's been played. So there's still going to be something in that. You know, despite which it doesn't matter what form line each team has any given year, this game mm. always delivers something. Yeah, it will, and it can always. Um... It goes one or two ways usually. Well, more recently you've had some blowouts actually, but yeah. it used to, you know, it used to be such an arm wrestle, um, and now, uh, you know, I, I think there's so much goes into it. It's, it's they're different to the Reds Brumbies games in the sense that they are real arm wrestles, whereas the Waratahs ones, it's almost like whoever gets the upper hand, the other team mentally implodes. Like it's like mm-hmm. there's so much put on it that. You know, it's really rarely that it goes right down to the wire. It kind of gets to that sixty-minute mark, and then someone <laughs> yeah. gets the upper hand. Yeah, yeah. So the the, the, it, the wire that, is a long way from the end. Yeah, and and <laughs> quite often that has to do with small things like injuries. Like it'll be someone goes off early, or there's a there's a yellow card, and someone's off the field for ten minutes, and in that time the game shifts. So I think like the Six Nations, those things are going to be quite important. Like the mm. discipline of teams. Um, in in the Waratah Reds ones, I think shift because you know the momentum once lost isn't always as hard fought as those Brumbies Reds yeah. games. Yeah, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be a ripper. Harry, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Round six of Super Rugby Pacific. Well, I think you know now we're getting into the Wallaby Watch type thing. People are mm. looking at matches now to see you know. Uh, was Simone uh, unlucky? Um, what about your, your suddenly stacked at hooker in mm. Australia? So that's interesting. You know, Josh Nasher, uh, Nasser also was impressive, but, you know, maybe it's um, the guy from the Waratahs, uh, Parecki. Parecki, Parecki, yeah. So yeah. I, think, I think some people who didn't get picked are going to be coming out trying to show Rennie, no, 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 I think remember me mm. before England, England comes. I'm really hoping for Drua. I was really gutted about yeah. that loss. I really think they did every single thing to win that match. And uh, it was one of those really compelling matches. I thought the Drua played fantastically. Mm. But, you know, my kingdom for a lineout, just one lineout. <laughs> yeah. you know, just, yeah. can, can we have Nick Frost and Parecki or something? And yeah. We can win? yeah. Yeah. That, that was the difference, wasn't it? And I, I mentioned last week that Paul Cully over in New Zealand wrote that great line that they're one line out from being a final side and it really does feel like that. So it's, yeah, look, they've, they beat the Rebels a couple of weeks ago and I think you'd be a brave man to suggest they can't do it again this week. Um, I think their line, their line out will come right because Mick, yeah. um, Mick's a very good line out coach. So, uh, you know, assuming that they've, you know, 
got enough time and I reckon that'll come right within a few games. So yeah, the, hook, the hooker was throwing the ball so hard, Brett. Uh, I mean, he mm. was actually gunning the ball. It was impossible yeah. to catch. It was the, the centers were catching it on the full. <laughs> <laughs> it was going a long way. Going... That might have been the plan, mate. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Uh, look, Greg, it's been fantastic to, to chat to you. Um, great to learn more about a day in union. Um, I can't wait to see everyone's shared stories this weekend. Um, thanks so much for, for popping on and, and, starting the movement off ahead of this weekend. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks for it, guys. And, um, you know, thanks for having us on the Raw podcast and all the best for uh, the, the project as it gets cranking up. The Raw. So, Harry, Super Rugby Round 6. Um, the big question, I think, this weekend is how many New Zealand games are we going to get? At this point in time, there's been nothing said about rescheduling this weekend, but it's an ongoing thing. Uh, you know, it was late in the in the, in the piece last week that three games got changed. Uh, it's it's a little bit hard to know what's happening over there, and it feels like this is a really important week for the rest of the competition because I think any games that are postponed after this week, I think it becomes increasingly hard to to play them. No, you're right. I'm I'm actually very worried about this. It might be a sinister plot by Andy Marinos to not have any. Uh... Trans Tasman matches. <laughs> like, let's just take the Kiwis out of this and <laughs> finish it up with a bunch of Red Brumbies derbies. Yeah. But uh, no, it's, it's, it becomes very difficult to put these matches together if, if we miss another one. Yeah. And it, and it seems um, just as just as New Zealand rugby last week announced, you know, a couple of games would be rescheduled. Suddenly they're postponing more. And so it becomes harder and harder. So as the schedule currently stands for round six, Moana Pacifica and the Hurricanes are playing on Friday evening in Auckland. That's followed by the Rebels and the Indrua uh, down in Melbourne. And then the Force and the Brumbies over in Perth, which will be uh, a pretty good game, I think, over there in the West. On Saturday, it's the Highlanders and the Blues, followed by the Chiefs and the Crusaders in Hamilton. That's going to be an absolute ripper. I've got absolutely no, no doubt about that. And then the Reds Waratahs, which we've been talking about. Something we haven't touched on yet and something that we... We don't know currently, but by the time you're listening to this, maybe resolved is whether or not Taniela Tupo plays. And I think if he does, then I think Queensland are pretty obvious favourites. If he doesn't, it becomes a fascinating contest, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I didn't like that uh, the way that that thing happened anyway. Yeah, the clearing in the game, coming back. I don't know how. I don't know how else he was supposed to clear that. I mean, sometimes you get penalised for being forceful or big. And I think the way he did that is the same as everyone does every clear out. It's it's interesting that the charge was was contact above the line of the shoulder because at the time and the TMO checked it in play and the feedback the, the message came back via Dane Murphy on the field to the Brumbies was that it's checked, it's fine, it was shoulder on shoulder. So if the siding commissioner has found another angle that shows head contact, then then he could be in trouble because there's there was he was offered a two week early suspension with an early plea and knocked that back. So he's looking at I think it'd be four weeks. So it's they're playing real Russian roulette, the Reds. So well, unfortunately, we're we're, we're caught between timing as we as we put this together. Unfortunately, so it will be interesting, mate. Something I have been waiting for uh, almost with gritted teeth since you've come back from Europe is the, ob- the observations of the Welsh rugby fan. 
you've that's all you, that's all you've teased me with, and I'm I don't know where this is going to go. Oh no, you know, as as a roving correspondent reporter with our huge <laughs> travel budget, I I went to Cardiff and London, <laughs> and uh, I did I did get drunk with uh, Irish, English, Welsh, and French fans. And I observe their habits now. This is this what, is my why were, the, why were the Irish and French in London and Cardiff? Uh, yeah, so the no, I mean the Irish were in at Twickenham, oh, and uh, yeah, the next the next the next day and the French so, were in Cardiff. Yes, <clears throat> yeah, the, the raw sent me, but they they made me travel um, a lot in twenty four hours, <laughs> and uh, I didn't I didn't have anyone you know slipping my bags. So, but anyway, here's my reflections. From, trying to have sympathy for you, mate. I really am. Drinking and, and being with these fine fellows, the Irish, the Irish as they drink, they bump into each other. The the uh, the letter, the, the th, the, the h disappears from the th. It's like thirty three <laughs> beers later. My tongue was pricked by a thorn on Thursday. Thankful my coffee was in a thermos, but it's uh, it becomes a, a mosh pit, and they they lose the ability to speak intelligently, but they become very friendly, bordering on fighting. And then suddenly it's uh, sad songs and then I love you and I love you too. And then they fall down. Um, Englishmen, <laughs> on the other hand, they drink very efficiently. They invented ways to do it better. They have uh, amazing delivery systems at Twickenham with gin and beer. It's, uh, it's, they, can get, they can get drunk faster than any other group of fans. And they want to get drunk. English, they're trying to get hostile and then they have relationships that they ruin. I mean, you actually see people fighting and having arguments, uh, gin and beer and gin and beer. And then finally they look a little bit ill at the end and then they <laughs> fall quiet and dreamy and remember their empire days. Um, and, the and, Welsh, then, and, and then the second half starts. Yeah. <laughs> the, Welsh, the, the, Welsh, the Welsh get very small. They get compact when they drink. They, they get warm and cozy. They sink down into holes. They drink quickly and furtively looking around like hedgehogs. And they get very hard to understand. It's like, it starts to sound like <laughs> and, uh, and they're very nice, but they're immovable. They're like uh, a good open cider. If you, pick, you can pick up a Welshman, a whole Welshman, you just pick him up and you can move him and he stays in exactly the same curled position. Like um, um, like, like Tim Anstey did to Nick White a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. Now, the French, the French, when they drink, they never get drunk. I don't know what it is. They can just, they can just, they start to have weird ideas, though, and odd ideas. Uh, this guy, French guy, was telling me, uh, Harry, uh, I have a gun in Toulouse. Uh, I do, my friend. Uh, I will go get it. I'm like, you're in Cardiff. Why do you want to get a gun in Toulouse? <laughs> uh, or one French guy asked me, so what is a skid mark? Can we make one together, my man? Uh, or do you see those girls? Should we throw the fries at them? I'm like, no, don't throw any fries at girls. So, but they have no energy loss. They keep going forever, and they can locomote to the end. There's, no matter how drunk the French are, they can still skip. Crazy. Oh my goodness, that was um, that was as good as I hoped it would be. It really was. It really was. I, one day I'm going to get on one of these junket trips with you, mate. One day. Yes. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know where we're going to get the funds, but one day this will happen. But that is a wrap on episode seven of the Royal Rugby Podcast. You can find Harry and I on the socials. And don't forget to have your say. Leave any questions on the Raw when the new episode page lands. And don't forget to check out another week of Super Rugby Tipping, of which the hairy man is no longer in front. Uh, might be very interesting for this week, no doubt. Um, charts, very briefly, I think we've dropped in Hong Kong. 
but did I get it right? We've made an appearance on the Czech Republic football charts, as in round yes. balls? Yeah, we're starting to make encroachment into soccer. It's crazy. <laughs> okay. All right. The pod is on all the major platforms now. Like, follow, subscribe, do whatever you need to do to ensure the new episode drops uh, any notifications as soon as it goes live. It's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay, and Harry Jones. Every week on the raw.com today, Australia's biggest sporting debate, the home of all your favourite rugby analysis and opinions. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in Greece next week. Come play with us, hashtag a day in union.